This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. He is a highly decorated former DEA agent with 30 years of law enforcement experience, including the Maryland State Police. Larry Forletta, welcome to the show. Well, uh, thank you, Mark, and uh, thanks for having me on your show. This is not going to be about productivity, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to let you know, I wanted Larry on the show because we've got a lot of things going on. We've got COVID. We got COVID uh, scam calls, and we got the abuse of the elderly, which really rankles me. I really hate that. And so much stuff going on, especially this time of year. But before we get into the conversation, why don't you fill in the gaps? Uh, I read your intro there. What else do you want us to know about you so we can put you into context for our listeners? Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, as you mentioned, of my 30-year background in law enforcement, which has taken me in, in many different parts of the country and including investigations uh, uh, internationally. Uh, I currently uh, have my own private investigation business, and I started that business after I retired from the government, and I've been doing so for about the past 14 years. And I've been involved in, in many different types of uh, investigations uh, over the years, especially these last 14 years. I've handled everything from you know, homicide cases to sexual assault cases, uh, internal thefts, uh, just to name a few, some high-profile missing persons cases. Uh, so I, I have a vast knowledge, and I've learned a lot, uh, actually, as, as being a business person. Uh, and fortunately, I don't own a restaurant because I'd really be starving at this point. Uh, but uh my uh, my business is unfortunately uh, is usually when people have a need, and usually their needs are um, very. Uh, sometimes they're very saddening. I, I've in, you know been involved with overdose death cases, young family uh, members dying from an overdose. Uh, so there's there's just many things that uh, that I've been involved in, and. Uh, so I, uh, I look forward every day to try to enlighten people, educate people uh, about so many different things that, that are going on in our country and, uh, and of course, with COVID and, and everything else that goes along with this, defund the police, uh, all, all the political rhetoric that's gone on. Uh, so, you know, I think that... Uh, the, the communities that uh, that I was exposed to, especially in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, I, I could tell you most of those citizens there would never want to defund the police uh, because they know that they're going to be the ones that, that suffer the most. Now, before we started recording, I shared with you a story that you know I felt kind of neglected because I didn't get that robotic call from the, quote, IRS saying that they have a warrant out for my arrest and they're coming to get me, but I finally got it. So I feel like I'm part of the crowd, but you are a former DEA agent and tell us, tell us the story you shared with me. Well, as you mentioned about those robo calls, um, I thought this one was pretty funny. Um, I get a call from this suspicious person or whatever you want to call them. And they told me they were from DEA headquarters in Washington, DC. And I started giggling a little bit. And they told me that they were conducting an investigation on me, and I'd better send them money. Uh, after that, I, of course, after that, I just hung up on them. But uh, just so the listeners understand that no DE agent will ever 
call you and say that you're under investigation and they want money from you. Obviously, you know, that's, that's called the crime of extortion. So uh, they don't do those type of things. And the IRS doesn't call you and the U.S. government doesn't call you. And and I, I think one of the things that really irritates me is the most vulnerable in our society are the elderly. They get these calls all the time and they send money. My my parents, my dad is 79 years old and I have got him trained now when he gets a call. He gets a call a lot from air quotes, Apple saying his MacBook is it been and been um, uh, not hijacked. What's the word I'm looking for? Um I just lost Compromise. the word compromised. And I'm like, he called me. He says, dad, he says, Mark, I just got a call from Apple saying my computer has been compromised. He goes, dad, no, Apple has no clue if your computer has been hijacked or compromised or whatever the case may be infected. Maybe it's a better word for it. And so he, at least I got my dad trained. He always calls me first because there's never a real person. It's always like a robot call immediately. And he always calls me. So I encourage anyone who happens to listen to this podcast who is elderly and probably not a lot of people, but if you know any elderly, if you're a younger person, tell the elderly people in your lives, if they get these calls, get their number and then have them call you and say, listen, I got this phone call. What do you think? Don't just send them money. Don't give them your credit card information. It sounds common sense. But when you're elderly, sometimes you can't always think right. And then they could lose their entire life savings. Oh, no doubt about it. One of the big scams that they use is calling an elderly person and telling them that one of their family members, and they may know that family member by name, has been arrested and is currently in a in a jail, either overseas or somewhere in the United States. And uh, you need to send them bail money, and we will give you an address or send you a link where to send the bail money. Uh, some people uh, don't check into those types of stories. They panic. They figured, well, I got to help my, you know, my son, my grandson, or my granddaughter, or whoever that's a family member. And the next thing you know, they just got scammed out of a couple thousand dollars. Mm. So that's something that, as you mentioned, you should educate, you know, if you have elderly parents about them calling you first before they do anything. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of scams now in, in terms of COVID or in terms of what's going on in our, our political issues that are currently, you know, people looking for donations. Uh, this This is really a time where uh, a lot of the con men take advantage of the uh, of the situation. Yeah, I remember when we had Hurricane Harvey back in 2017 and people's roofs were damaged and had all these contractors from outside the state and they'd say, well, I'll give you a good deal if you pay me the whole thing up front. And then they say, I'm going to go to the store to get some supplies and you never see them again. And so unfortunately, that's the time we live in. You have to be very, very diligent and you have to be very careful. Sometimes it's better to pay this person you've seen on TV that maybe twice as much money, but you know they're established in your community than to pay someone who's got like a beat up pickup truck that just shows up. You've never seen them before. Yeah. I, I, another precaution that you can always call the Better Business Bureau uh, or the, your local uh, state attorney general's office. Uh, to see if that contractor has committed any type of fraud. Uh, they do maintain records on bad contractors. So, and even if they're legit, they may not be legit. I mean, because I'm sure this happens every play, every time there's a storm someplace, in, at least in the United States, I'm sure these these cockroaches come out of nowhere with the full intention of never helping these homeowners. They just want to get rich quick. 
Oh, I, I seen it firsthand. I was in Florida, uh, on an assignment when, uh, hurricane Andrew hit. And I can tell you that I saw the devastation firsthand in, in Homestead. And, uh, there was so much, uh, scam going on, uh, with contractors, you know, telling these victims of the hurricane, you know, about, uh, getting their roofs fixed and so on. And, uh, they'd get money from them and would never come back to do the job. Mm. So it, it is unfortunate that these are the, uh, the dreads of our society, uh, that take advantage of innocent people. And, and I think sometimes, uh, in, in the current state of affairs, we lose the, uh, foresight and the issues about victims. Uh, it's almost become a trend now that, uh, we sort of put the victim, uh, in the back, uh, in the back of the bus. And, you know, the real criminals are getting out on a regular basis and going back out and committing crime. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the sad part about what's taking place. You know, it's happening in Houston. It's happening in Philadelphia. It's happening in a lot of different areas of the country where the victims are now in the back of the bus, so to speak. And the bad guys are, uh, you know, no bail. They can, they get released after they commit a crime and they go commit another crime. Yeah, I, I don't understand that when I, when uh, Governor Cuomo in New York uh, announced that there's no bail. And I'm like, is this for real? Is this a joke? I thought it was like a, a joke, but it's not. You can commit a crime in New York State and they can arrest you, book you, and then release you. And I, I don't understand why any human being, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Okay, I don't care if you're a Martian. I don't care if you're from Pluto. How could you have no bail for violent crimes? I don't. I, no one will ever be able to convince me that's a good thing. Well, I mean, you saw what happened this past summer in the cities like New York City. Oh, yeah. Crime rate went up to the roof. And uh, it's still going through the roof. Uh, I know some uh, NYPD officers there. Um, a lot of them are quitting. They're yeah. leaving because they're disgusted uh, with de Blasio and Cuomo and the way they're being treated. And uh, I, I, I was fortunate that when I came through that we were pretty much a law-abiding country. And whether you were Democrat or Republican, it didn't matter. You still believed in a concept of law and order. Um, and I don't know where that's gone, uh, but it's it's certainly gone by the wayside in, in certain areas um, of our country. I mean, I, to this day, I'm 55 years young and I still have a healthy respect for police. I mean, if I see them just like military people, I thank them for their service because they have a really difficult job, especially if you're a law enforcement officer in a Democrat run city as Houston is because they don't have as much power. And it, like you said earlier, you know, the, it's always assumed that the criminal, well, you know, they're doing it for the right reasons. And meanwhile, they're stealing from the victim. And I have a hard time with that uh, because I believe, and maybe I'm just looking at the world through rose colored glasses. I think most people are genuinely good. You have a couple people who are not, but I think most human beings around the world, there's 8 billion of us. I think probably a high 90% are really good, honest, hardworking people, but you got that maybe, I don't know, one or 2% worldwide that is not so good. Do you agree with that? 
Hey there, it's Mark, and I will coach you for less than $2 a day, plus give you access to a group coaching call every single month. For more information, visit MrProductivity.com. Um, I agree with most of it. Um, I, I would say uh, most people are honest. Um, most people believe in the law, believe in law and order. Um, I think uh, what you see is there are certain elements uh, within our own country. Uh, I call them the left-wing radical left. Uh, I don't know how far left they can go, uh, but they have no respect for law and order. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, when you have people who turn a blind eye on their behavior, you see the end result. And I'm not sure if it's going to end after the administration's change. It may end to a certain extent. But that may tell you something about if it does change and what was actually done with one administration versus the new administration coming in. So I hope that uh, that all administrations are for law and order. We cannot have the chaos that we've seen this summer and nothing happening to the people who did the destruction in our cities. and. When you see a city like Portland, I mean, you have the governor that's worried about people having more family members for Thanksgiving than the destruction of Portland. It, it's just, it's mind boggling. I don't understand the voters. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. I don't understand the voters, why they would put somebody in office that's that incompetent and who really doesn't care about the real people that get up every morning and go to work. Well, same as Chicago. Chicago, I feel sorry for those people, especially in South Chicago. I mean, the gangs run wild on the streets, and the police officers, they're just... They're powerless because they don't have the power. Uh, the power is taken from them, from uh, Lori, whatever her name is. You know, you see this in every Democratic. Well, I can't say everyone because I don't know every every uh, every city in the country. But most of the problems you see, San Francisco, L.A., New York, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, like the biggest. Like, for example, here in Texas, Trump won the landslide, but he didn't win Houston, Austin, San Antonio and, and Dallas. Which goes to show you that those are, even though we're a Republican state, our governor's a Republican, the, the four cities, as far as I know, I don't know about all of them, but I think they're all Democrat run, aren't they? Um, a lot of them are. A lot of the major U.S. cities are Democrat run. Um, and that's, I guess that's always been, been the big part of the problem. Again, you know, I can tell you, when I worked in Baltimore, uh, we had a mayor by the name of William Donald Schaefer, who eventually became the governor of Maryland. And uh, he was a law and order guy. Uh, he did not tolerate looting and rioting. In fact, in, in uh, 19, I think it was 1979, when I was with the Maryland State Police, I was on the tactical unit. Uh, we were sent in to assist the Baltimore City Police Department. And there was looting going on in downtown Baltimore because of the snowstorm. And the police, weren't able to get to the calls in time. So they sent in uh, a contingent of Maryland State Troopers, and we worked with the Baltimore Police Department, and the disturbance was quelled within two days. But again, the mayor and then the governor, the state's attorney in in Baltimore City, were all law and order. 
Uh, the current state's attorney in Baltimore City is a disgrace. I worked with a lot of Baltimore City state prosecutors, especially on drug cases, and they did a great job in, in Baltimore. Some of them, uh, to this day, are still my friends. We still stay in touch. And I just shake my head to see what has happened to uh, uh, the charm city of Baltimore. Mm. Let me ask you this, Larry. We have the internet now in 2020. Do you think if you can go back to, let's say, the 1940s, the 1950s, do you think it'd be, be it's gonna it's better back then or now? Or do you think we have the same problems? It's just more magnified because of social media, because of the Internet. Well, I, I, I tend to agree with the social media exposure. Uh, that's for sure. But I think as a society, we have lost respect for uh, our churches. Um, our police, our society in general. And so there's a societal breakdown now with a lot of our young people uh, that have lost the respect for the institutions of our country. Mm. And uh, that's the unfortunate part about it. You know, at, at one day in time, most the majority of people respected law enforcement. And I think to this day that I believe, I still believe that they respect law enforcement. But we're we're in a different mindset, and when you begin to use, uh, let me call it institutionalized radicalism in our universities, this is what we're seeing now. Those college kids that went to those colleges are now the adults, and some of them are the same ones that were burning and looting in our in our streets. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's the sad part about it, and that's what's happened um, because these college institutions have done nothing but try to brainwash these young, uh, vulnerable college students into a different ideology when they're you know when they're taught not to respect the flag, not to respect the Constitution, not to respect our military. You know the people who made this country great uh, have been put on the side uh, so much. And then you have, then you have the social media cartel, as I call them, because they are controlling free speech. They know it. And, you know, every time I see uh, Zuckerberg from uh, Facebook and the other one from uh, Twitter, Jack Dorsey, right. They just give a, you know, they give us, Oh yeah, well, we're sorry that it happened. See, My my position is this: the Senate or the Congress, they have these hearings. They're useless. They have no teeth. Start breaking up these companies and start going after them. You know, do away with their civil liability issues. Stop playing games. And I think the Democrats and the Republicans should both come together on this matter because eventually it'll hurt the Democrats at some point in time as well as it hurted the Republicans. So yeah, we have. Yeah, I can tell you that uh, with social media, I think it's amazing that now we have replacements or alternatives. So if you don't like Twitter, I, I still have a presence on Twitter only because when I become rich and famous that I you know, no one can take my name, but I don't spend any time on Twitter. There's now Parler, right. P-A-R-L-E-R. Yep. For Facebook, there's a company called MeWe. 
which right. has got no ads and no censorship. And then for YouTube, there's there's Rumble. And here's the thing. Here's why I come down on censorship, uh, Larry. I think you should censor everybody or nobody. You shouldn't censor one side or one the people that don't agree with you. You either censor everybody or nobody. That's my, my thoughts. What are your thoughts on that? I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mark. And you know what's really funny? When they don't censor the mullahs from Iran who talk about hate, who want to blow up Israel, they don't censor them. Nope. So why, if they're going to censor anybody, you're supposed to censor hate speech. At least that's what they say they do. But when you begin to make it a political issue and you begin to side with one party, then I think there's a time for a change. And yes, there are other alternatives. And I really see uh, for the future that Parler and some of these other uh, new social medias will become very competitive and possibly a replacement for some of the well-known social media because what they have done and what they are doing, you know, they, they have, you know, uh, you have Facebook, Google, and Twitter. You know, people don't understand that they talk to each other all the time. So they're really controlling the narrative of what's taking place in this country. Did they, I mean, when, when the riots took place in the summer, where were they? Why weren't they covering it? Why wasn't that shown? So again, I think they're doing a big disservice uh, to our country and to law abiding citizens in our country. Yeah. I, uh, two thoughts. Number one, the, the head, uh, I forget they call the head clergyman from Iran. He has tweeted allegedly, I didn't actually see the tweet that the Holocaust never happened. Now, why wasn't that flag? Because that's a part that's history. I know you don't like history. Okay. But the fact is it did happen, but they didn't flag that and they should have flagged according to their own, uh, their own rules. And then as far as I, one of the things I really like about parlor is Twitter's got these verified users, but Parler's got this new thing, which I really like, and I encourage everyone to do that. Anybody can be verified on Parler. And what you do is you click on this button that says verified, and you take a picture of your front and back, front uh, front of your license in the back, and you take a selfie and you like answer a couple questions. They want to make sure you're really who you are. And if you do that, there's no fee to it, by the way. It's completely free. They want to make sure that when you see Mark Stuchowski in Parler, it's really me. Now, I don't get political on Parler. Uh, and a lot of people on Parler are all about the election and about, you know, Biden and Trump. I'm like just I'm on Parler like I would be on like I was on Twitter. I was showing my daily runs, you know, my daily blog posts. So I don't get any political on there. But I like the fact that it's not centered. And you also get a thousand characters instead of um, what 280. So I kind of liked where Parler's going. What people don't realize, and I found this fascinating, is before the election, there was about four and a half million members on Parler. After the election, there was between 50 and 70 people joining per second. What does that tell you? Well, obviously, they're looking for an alternative, that's for sure. And I don't believe in hate speech or rhetoric or anything like that. You know, all the name callings. Uh, you still should be respectful to the office of the president of the United States. No matter who it is. Right. Regardless if it's Obama or if it's Biden or Trump or Bush or whoever it is. Mm -hmm. But you can see what 
our news media has done. They have now become the spokesperson for, and again, the Democratic Party. And you're going to see a difference come January 20th, how this president is going to be treated differently than from uh, President Trump. But yeah, and I, I agree. The only news I watch, by the way, is my wife and I subscribe to BillOReilly.com. It's on a website. It's not online because I don't like the mainstream media. We only watch his news broadcast. And he said, if he's on vacation or he only does it Monday through Thursday, he's on vacation this week. I don't watch the news because I want people to tell me the information and let me decide. Remember Fox news. You just say that we report, you decide everyone's got their own idea ideologies. I don't want, just show me the facts and mainstream media doesn't hide the fact that they're for the left. They, they, there's no hiding it. They're not ashamed of it. You know what? The problem is with NBC, CBS, and ABC and Fox, you're using public airways, which are provided by public dollars, tax money. So I don't think you should be left or right. You should be down the center. You should just report the facts because my taxes go to pay for your rights to broadcast over the air. One of the benefits of being a subscriber to my email newsletter is you get access to free weekly training from me. To sign up for my email newsletter, just go to mrproductivity.com. I think most people uh, would love to see the news media go back to where it once was because really the news media should be the ones who really monitor the government. You know, at one time, people relied on the news media to make sure that the government was not overstepping their bounds. And uh, so when now you become one-sided, you turn a willful blind eye to the behavior of a certain political party than you should have never done in the first place. So, you know, whether you're Democrat or Republican, I think the news media should try to maintain a neutrality and ask the tough questions. and and not, you know, begin to side with one versus the other. So I, I think we've lost a lot of that uh, in, in our news media. There's no longer trust uh, with the news media. You know, somebody with my background coming from law enforcement, you know, we've always had a suspicious trust of the news media. Uh, and, you know, what has happened is a lot of times when you provided information to the news media, they distorted what you said. Um, and they leaked that information uh, to what you said. Because, you know, well, they'll say, well, you know, I'm going to tell you, know, you can uh, say this to me and, you know, we'll keep it in confidence. And the next thing you know, it's blasted all over the newspaper. Mm. Um, so, and, and how this evolved in law enforcement, because law enforcement had to adjust to the news media because there's good and bad uh, about it. Um, because it became very beneficial for reporting crime or looking for wanted people. Um, And so law enforcement agencies from local, state, and federal created public information officers, and they were specifically trained to work with the news media. Um, And I I did some uh, news releases with uh, investigations with the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun, But I can say those reporters were fair and honest on how they reported the the information and investigation that we gave them. Uh, But in in today's world, you just can't trust them at all. Mm. 
I agree with you. One final question I want to ask you about is guns. There's a lot of debate about our Second Amendment. My wife and I decided to do something very unique this year. Now, we we live in Houston, Texas, as I mentioned earlier. And instead of buying each other Christmas presents, we decided to join a gun range. And we go there three or four times a month. We I never held a handgun until about two and a half months ago. So we went and took the class. We go in there. We learn how to shoot the guns. And and I have a healthy respect for guns. I wanted to do it. Number one, I wanted to do something with my wife. And number two, I wanted to learn how to handle a gun. And I firmly believe that we need gun laws in this country, which we have plenty of them. They're just not being enforced. I think that whatever party is going to go after the guns, I think that's a mistake because criminals don't go into your local gun shop and buy a gun legally. They steal it. And I think when you take away the guns from people who have legally purchased them, they legally cleared background checks. These are not the people who are holding up banks. These are people who are law abiding citizens. So what are your thoughts on gun controls and and stuff like that? Well, gun control does not work and will never work in this country. Um, you can see what goes on in Chicago every day. They have some of the most stringent gun laws. New York City has stringent gun laws. And and when you talk about law-abiding people, because you know the criminal uh, doesn't go in and try to purchase a weapon, what they basically do is they send somebody in for them, which is called a straw purchase, oh. to, buy, to buy a weapon. Uh, and, and this is done all the time by the criminal element. They'll, they'll find somebody that they know, a friend, relative, or whatever. They'll send them in a gun store, and they'll go in and buy guns because that person does not have a criminal record. So, And, and, and again, that's what's commonly referred to as a straw purchase. So no matter what any political agenda on saying that they're going to control guns, it's not going to work. I encourage people like you to get training. I don't encourage people to go grab a gun and not know how to handle it, don't know the safety features about it. Everybody who has a weapon should have some type of training, education behind that weapon. A weapon just doesn't go off by itself. Yes, It's called the finger on the trigger. Okay, There's no such thing as a gun, oh, it went off by itself. No, that's, that's, very, that's false. So... You keep your finger off the trigger, and you only put your finger on the trigger when you're going to fire the weapon. I could tell you, I've only been to the gun range about, I think, 12 times. And if I wasn't pulling the trigger, it didn't go off by itself. So I can vouch for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. And uh, again, I encourage people uh, to get the training, to understand and be educated. You know, uh, I've always had weapons in my house because of my profession. But I educated my children uh, long ago as they were younger about the dangers of weapons, uh, the dangers of maybe going to a friend's house uh, who has weapons or access to weapons. And, you know, I told them, I said, never have anybody ever point a handgun at you and tell you that it's unloaded. Walk away. You know, the safety thing to do, especially either with a revolver or with a semi-automatic, is in a revolver, you have them open the cylinder. In a, in a, in a semi-automatic, you pull the slide back, and you make sure that the, the magazine is not inside, you know, and there's no bullets inside of that, that chamber. So safety is number one in, in terms of handling weapons. 
Well, Larry, this has been an engaging, really paradigm shift uh, conversation on the Mark Stachowski podcast. But you know what? It's my podcast. I can have people like you on the show. I was completely mesmerized having this conversation with you. So thank you. Where can we go to find out more about you? Well, thank you, Mark. Um, My website is www.fcisllc.com. And that covers, you know, the things that we do. Uh, some of the cases that uh, I've been involved with. Uh, so uh, again, I appreciate you you uh, asking me to be a guest on your show, and uh, I look forward uh, in the future of maybe doing another one. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thank you for pulling back the curtain. And because I think we need more people speaking the truth. And I think you did that. So absolute thrill having you on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about having you back on the show. So thank you once again for being on the show. Have a nice Thanksgiving. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also, you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.